You remember when we woke up uh, to the news? I guess it happened in the afternoon. I remember getting all the alerts that uh, Trump had fired Comey. Oh, yeah. But, whoa, here we go. And that turns out, you know, the more you look at it, he had every he had the legal right to. Um, Republicans and Democrats had been calling at it for it at various times. Right. So. But if we if we we get the news alert someday that he's fired Mueller, I might drive into the station and do a special show. Yeah. You know, yeah. no matter because it's going to be a big freaking deal. I don't know that that will ever happen. I don't know what kind of advice he's getting. I hope he doesn't. Uh, no, I don't think that would do the country any good, but uh, there's a hell of a lot of disagreement on that point and uh, several others. And Andrea Noble of the Washington Times has been writing about the Mueller investigation, uh, polls about people's attitudes toward it, all sorts of good stuff that you probably ought to be reading and we will have links to. Uh, but she joins us now. Andrea, welcome. How are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm sorry. I forgot to ask. Are you an Andrea or an Andrea? I'm an Andrea. Okay, fair enough. What do you think of Andreas? Do you look down on them or think they're being pretentious? Some of my best friends are Andreas. Oh, there you go. Okay. There You're you open-minded go. about it. Well, and, you know, actually, that's how I have found your uh, your writing on the topic, too. It's remarkably even-handed and thorough, and uh, and I say well done. Um, do you want to start with the, the poll that you're writing about today, people's attitudes toward the Mueller investigation? What did you find? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I would note that, um, you know, the particular poll that I picked up um, from uh, public policy polling was uh, actually done a couple of days before um uh, Rod Rosenstein was uh, up on, on the Hill, obviously, defending um, Robert Mueller's investigation. But, um, you know, in it, there was definitely a divide between, you know, how Republicans um, saw, you know, thought that the Mueller investigation should be handled and how Democrats um, thought it should be handled. Um, you know, Republicans um, were a little more supportive of, uh, of the firing of the special counsel in order to kind of shut down the Russia, Russia investigation. They were more skeptical of, of whether they thought it, um, you know, there was something actually there. Um, yeah, let me jump in and just point out that 44 percent of Republicans support firing the special counsel, 24 oppose it. Uh, quite a few, obviously, uh, don't have an opinion on it, where our 71% of Democrats oppose it. But 44% of Republicans, while short of majority, majority is pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, still not a not a majority. Um, you know, there was also kind of a breakdown of, um, you know, folks who, you know, supported the FBI, um, you know, were supporting their work. There was a, a definitely a difference there, um, you know, with uh, Republicans having less approval. Um, than Democrats, and um, you know, also in terms of questions on, um, you know, whether they actually agreed. Something I thought was kind of interesting is whether they actually agreed and thought that the um, that Russia had wanted to help either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Uh, and obviously, that was something that the intelligence community had released a report on at the beginning of the year, um, uh, saying that you know that Russia had sought to, um, you know, kind of uh, denigrate Mrs. Clinton and, um, you know, developed a, a preference for Mr. Trump that had been their um, conclusion in that report. Um, but there was still a, a big divide in whether Republicans and Democrats uh, believe that or not. I'm pretty troubled by some of the stuff that has come out over the last couple of weeks. And uh, definitely I think it's reporting that everybody should keep an eye on. But you got to remember that Ray running the FBI, he's he's somebody Trump picked. Rosenstein running the uh, the uh, the Justice Deputy Department. AG, yeah. He he's somebody Trump picked. Mueller is a lifelong Republican who supported the Bushes, so he he could be a Trump hater, I suppose. But he's a Republican, so it's it's not like everybody's lined up against Trump. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when Mr. Mueller was first appointed, there was a lot of uh, support for um, you know and praise for for his character, his record. Um, 
and kind of bit by bit as the investigation has gone on, um, that's that kind of dropped by the wayside uh, among a, a number of Republicans um, who have had some real questions about how the investigation has been run, um, are digging into that a little bit more, obviously want to know about the um, FISA surveillance. Um, they want to know about you know the folks who were on the team and kind of whether there was any sort of um, their own political opinions, whether that was affecting the investigation in any way. So, you know, bit by bit, um, despite the fact that, like you said, um, people who are in charge of it, um, you know, have, have uh, been Republicans or appointed by Republicans, um, you know, there's still a lot of questions coming up uh, among lawmakers currently as to whether they should trust the investigation or not. You mentioned kind of uh, briefly the the uh, some of the things that have surfaced lately. We're talking about the text messages between uh, Strzok and his lover there. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the infamous uh, we need an insurance policy text that we talked about a lot yesterday. Um, allegedly, a conversation I had in Andrew McCabe's office when he was the number two guy, I think, at the FBI. Um, yeah. How optimistic are you that we will ever find out what they were talking about, what that insurance policy conversation was? Um, you know, I think that just uh, just yesterday, um, Senator Grassley had put out a call and, and wanted to get more information about um, that text. And uh, there was another text that he had flagged um, in which um, the two FBI officials had been texting back and forth and had mentioned um, you know, possibly another phone. So I know that he's asked for information about you know, whether the um, Justice Department is looking into whether there was another phone they were communicating on and having you know, conversations about um, investigations on that um, to try to see if maybe, you know, I guess the end goal being if they can find this, if they can find messages and they can kind of understand this all a little bit better. Okay, so um, I maybe maybe some of us have done this. I've done this. So, so they might have been having uh, conversations on multiple devices and we're getting snippets of the conversation and there's more that would fill in the details on a different phone. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, you know, that's what people are looking into. I mean, obviously, we, we don't know that for sure, but that's kind of the... Um, I could see that, because we thought from the beginning, it's pretty crazy you're carrying on your affair on your official FBI phone. Well, maybe they mostly weren't, and just every once in a while, kind of out of laziness and convenience, you you, you pick back up the conversation on your company phone. To the tune of 10,000? That's Texas. a lot. Yeah, that is a yeah, lot. I, Andrea Noble is a crime and public safety reporter for the Washington Times on the line. Go ahead, Andrea. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, again, the, the text messages that we reviewed, you know, it's 375 of them out of thousands, um, you know, that were that were um, available. Um, you know, so we're we're getting a snippet. I mean, some of the, the text, you know, as you're reviewing them, some are at, you know, different times of day. There's a couple in a row, and then, you know, there's complete silence uh, for a little while. I think that um, was an indication that we were just getting, you know, some of the messages and not um, not the full conversation as well. Well, so, they did have to try to keep it a secret it. from their current spouses, so that might have interrupted some of their conversations. Yeah, d- yeah. D- I, I haven't heard anybody explain this, so there we haven't come, come across any, like, sexy texts. I mean, th- th- were those somehow held back? Otherwise, this is the most boring affair that's ever been had. <laughs> My, my understanding was the, the messages that we were able to review initially that were turned over to Congress um, were the kind of most relevant uh, in far as far as the investigation. Well, that's um, yeah. you know so so there may be there's obviously tons of other text messages, but okay. you know, whether they have any relevance to the investigation or right. not. And I think that's know. appropriate. We don't need to see their yeah, personal Jack, stuff. You'll I find just... those on TMZ, not from Andrea Noble of the Washington Times, who's a serious reporter. Well, I just thought Please. it was weird. You got two two married people having an affair yeah. in their text, and there's nothing about the relationship. Okay, so it was held back on purpose. 
Okay. Explains that. Yeah. So, Andrea, listen, uh, we'll end, if you don't mind, with an opinion question. You can feel free to answer it or not. Uh, having observed these things uh, through your career, does the, the controversy over the investigation, Mueller, at, at all, seem to you to be the kind of partisan uh, howling that we just hear all the time these days? Or do you think there's a serious threat to the investigation that it, it might be taken apart or investigated itself? How do you take the, all the noise? Um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I'd, I'd kind of point to some of the defense that um, Rod Rosenstein had um, the other day, which was that, um, you know, when these texts came to light, um, Robert Mueller, you know, immediately took this this guy uh, struck off of the investigation. Um, the key being, you know, you don't even want to have the um, appearance of a conflict of interest, you know, whether or not um, ultimately the inspector general decides that this was a conflict, that there, that there was, um, you know, something that seeped in and affected the investigations, um, you know, that's to be determined and, and they're going to wait until they kind of get that report before they take any sort of, um, administrative action against anyone involved. Um, but, you know, they've, they've kind of pointed these things out to say, you know, action was taken when we found out about this. Interesting. Um, Andrea Noble of the Washington Times. Andrea, we sure appreciate the time. Well done. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Good to be on. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm. See, I'm trying to get a picture, and it's it's difficult these days, particularly with our partisan media. Are, is the investigation a battleship, and all the yammering is just mosquitoes bouncing off of it, or is it you know riddled full of holes, and the mosquitoes are actually thirty foot long squid, and they're they're threatening to, <laughs> to, to drag the thing down into Davy Jones' locker? I mean, uh, how solid is the status of the investigation? How solid are the criticisms and and that sort of thing? 44% of Republicans. Now, this is a small poll, um, kind of a barber poll more than a May poll, but uh, 44% support firing the special counsel. 24% oppose it, which leaves just solid 32% who don't know or what have you. So that's not a very big... uh, groundswell of support for the idea of sacking Mueller. Remember and that? then, you know what? You can never, ever, you should never, ever underestimate the ignorance of people responding to polls or voting. Oh, yeah, they have no idea what they're talking about. Take that poll. Then tell the people, keep in mind now, Robert Mueller's a lifelong Republican and had 97% support when he was appointed. Now, do you think they should fire Mueller? You'll see that number change by double digits. Who are you going to get that's better? <sighs> Probably mid-double digits. Who are you going to get that's better if you're Trump and more fair? I don't know. Bring Ronald Reagan back from the Alex beyond? Baldwin. Alex Baldwin. I don't know. Meatloaf. Meatloaf. <laughs> what? <laughs> a Trump guy. A real Trump guy. A Gary Busey. <laughs> somebody that you've got a long relationship with. A Trump loyalist. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. it. <laughs> you understand what we're talking about. Well, hey, it's a little latish, but we're going to wrap things up with our big Warrior Foundation Freedom Station uh, fundraiser. A quick chat with Sandy Lemcooler and uh, and a long belated clips of the week. Yeah, cool. That's all on the way. Sexual harassment training doesn't work. I think maybe we'll have time to at least uh, squeeze in the headlines of that. Yeah, right. Hot lips. Let's do it. Kind of hilarious if you've ever had to attend one of these seminars at work. If it did anything, it did harm, according <laughs> to a new study. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
a lot of you have been waiting outside your building, missing work because you didn't hear Clips of the Week. We know a lot of you are like that. This Clips of the Week is so important to you. Sorry about that. Our bad. Mm-hmm. Our bad. Let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. I've worked with Mother Teresa. I've spent six months doing Zen meditation in Kamakura, Japan. Hambone, Hambone, what do you say? 79 is not 36. Seriously? You tried to terrorize New York subway commuters? Nice try. That's like saying, I'm good to drive, and then sticking your keys into the gas tank. One of our attorneys is a Jew. What a majestic picture of two animals not allowed in the mall. I mean, tax cuts for private jet owners and alcohol distributors, that's basically a 2 chains video. But what is known is, is that General Kelly has been tired of her antics. Um, even since Ryan's Priebus, no one has known what Omarosa's duties were. Peter King, I know where you're from, and I know you like to knuckle up every now and then, but did you just call Steve Bannon a disheveled drunk? No, to be very precise, I said he looks like one. It's, it's funny, though, that I don't see how people can sit there and say, this person's a madman. He probably is. But I didn't see that. Maybe he has more than one uncle. Well, pretty much. Maybe that's the spare uncle right there. Well, either way. There you go. The great Dennis Rodman. Did you listen to more of that? Is it all gold like that? The, those were the most can like clear, concise kind yeah, of gotcha. nuggets from it. The he rest can of it be was, a tad rambly. Yeah, okay. Those are good. Yeah. yeah well, the rest of it was very much out in the, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. Well, hey, uh, we've been overdue to do this. Uh, let's uh, put a quick uh, exclamation point on our big fundraiser for Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Sandy Lemkuller, president and founder of the Warrior Foundation Freedom Station, joins us. Uh, and I think she wants to say a little uh, muchas gracias to the good folks. Hey, Sandy, how are you? Really wonderful, really wonderful, and really I feel as though I've already had my Christmas. Thanks to all your listeners in California and New Mexico and Utah, and it has been the most phenomenal Christmas for these warriors that they have ever experienced. And and it's it's a wonderful thing, and everybody's expressed to us how much they appreciate being turned on to a great organization. Uh, we're we're flying dozens and dozens and dozens of heroes home to be with their families for Christmas, and and perhaps even uh, starting to to be serious about building a second Freedom Station. Right? Yes, we are, and I will share with you. Um, you know, in California, it's a little bit more difficult to buy a property when you're a foundation. However, we have put in two offer letters, and all that means is now we can actually step foot on the property and make sure it would be workable for our guys. But last week, after our event, uh, we immediately put in two offer letters for two properties that will be one really talks to me and the other one talks to me. So we're hoping that one of those properties will be able to allow us to expand and be able to help even more warriors transition without hitting a lot of those bumps and, and, and hurdles that they've been hitting in the past. So we're very, very grateful. 
We are going to be excellent stewards with any donations. I mean, imagine they've had, there's been over 3,704 people who trust us enough to make a difference in our warriors' lives. And we are going to live up to that trust, and we are most appreciative. And yeah. almost a million dollars. Did we mention that? Yeah, almost just a million under dollars. a million dollars. And in fact, is... Are is, you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Go ahead. $975,000. Yeah, fantastic. That's a chunk of money right there. Yeah, and as people it listen really to podcasts, they're, they're kicking in as we go. And, and, of course, you can still contribute and should um, to Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. But, Sandy, that's wonderful news. Stay in touch. And as uh, things develop. I, I just want to share with you real quick. Yesterday, we were able to hand out to over 200 injured warriors um, Christmas gifts because of all the generosity. And you would hear things like, oh, my gosh, pillows, jumper cables, Adidas. And I would say to them, where are you going? Tennessee, ma'am. I say, you got your ticket? Yes, ma'am. I leave on the 21st. They're allowing me to go. So it's happening, and we're making Christmas for a lot of people. Very Thank awesome. you, too. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Sandy. It's always great to talk. Let's stay in touch. All right. And we'll be bigger next year. Hope so. Yep. Yep. Very good. So that's nice. That is nice. Heard a story. Heard a story from a guy um, not too long ago. Uh, grew up quite poor. And um, and he and his family uh, came across this other family. They actually ran into him because uh, one of the kids in the other family stole uh, one of the kids in this family's bikes. And they uh, came across his family. They went over to beat him up, but they found out that they were way, way, way poorer than they were and so decided you know what no we're not going to beat anybody up we're going to share christmas and help make their load lighter and and the guy made the point he said that he has never gotten so much from christmas as you know that that year of giving Mm. uh, to his neighbors so it's worth remembering i don't doubt that so um what do i got like two minutes can i tell the story in two minutes i think so so do you need transition music no it's so, an excuse to play the transition music. So I start uh, my new radio job. I'm 19 years old, full-time radio job. And there's a guy there who's uh, really good and uh, and well-known. And he had been in some decent-sized radio markets and made some money. So already... So I'm, he was probably looked upon with wonder. By me, yeah. yeah so yeah. already as a 19-year-old starting in radio, I'm idolizing to, to a certain extent. And he teaches at the college where I'm going. And his class is always full. You can't get in because he's so cool, so funny, so great. And just everybody wants to be around him. He's just that kind of person, right? He's just, he's just whatever. He just draws people to him. Everybody feels better by being his friend. Mm. And he befriends me. And we start hanging around a lot. And he comes out to my, uh, to, to when I'm on the radio, he'll come out and, and, and watch me on the radio. I mean, like, we're, we're spending a lot of time together. And I'm thinking, I'm obviously a cool guy. Because I'm with the coolest guy on the at the radio station and, and on campus. Yeah. And then uh, this goes on for many months. And we go out drinking and stuff like that. One one night, huge party. Um, uh, I don't remember what was going on, but we're so all everybody's drunk at this house, and uh, night's winding down. I'm sleeping on the floor, and he says, "You're going to freeze down there." He's in a bed, and he says, "Why don't you sleep up here?" And I think nothing of it. I've slept in a bed where there's no beds. There's you know two dudes get in a bed. Whatever. I've done that before, um, camping trips or whatnot. So I get up in the bed, think nothing of it. He reaches over and grabs me. Wow. And I clamber out of bed and get on the floor, realize what that was all about. And it was the one and only time in my life where I understood what it was like. I thought it was so disappointing to me to find out, oh, all that 
I'm one of the cool guys you want to hang out with. We're friends. That was just this. Right. That's the only time in my life I've ever experienced what a lot of women feel all the time, I suppose. Yeah. That wasn't real. That was the most disappointing part of it to me. I thought I was in the cool crowd and all that sort of stuff. Humiliating. But because he was above me in stature in every way, I went along with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. The reason I tell that story is Marshall's got a similar tale coming up in his news, I believe. Right, Marshall Phillips? Indeed we do. In well, fact, yeah, it- and I want to hear about more of what happened, you know, down the road from there. Yeah. So Marshall's got a story about a university professor doing a yep. similar sort of thing, and the university had kept it quiet for decades. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a bunch of things to talk about in this final half hour. News now with Marshall Phillips. Well, i got to tell you, they're wheeling and dealing in D.C. And President Trump now very optimistic about the big Republican tax bill. I think we're doing very well on the tax. We'll see what happens. But I think we're doing very well. It's something that's going to be monumental. Monumental. Republican Congresswoman Christy Noem now saying the child tax credit has been expanded for low-income families in an effort to win Senator Marco Rubio's support for the tax package. The package of double the per-child tax credit from 1000 to $2,000. Rubio had said he wanted the figure increased. He did not say by how much, but that is a, a swap for his vote. Well, so we'll as, as we've been saying at the tax thing all along, if it finally ever happens, then we'll take a look at it, try to figure out right. what it is and discuss it. But it changes all the time. Yeah, so. well, and, and the narratives being trotted out in the media as to what it is and what it does for whom are so wildly inaccurate. I mean, they're... They, I was, it was funny. I was thinking about this earlier. My first gig out of college, nobody groped me. Um, but I worked for an advertising agency, and I was told to write this campaign about how a local chain of banks was really, really emphasizing customer service and how they would never X or Y or blah blah blah. And I said to the one of the head people in the agency, I said, "Wow, that's really impressive. How are they like implementing that? Are they retraining everybody or something?" He said, "No, no, they're just claiming they're doing that. Please." And that's when I thought, I don't want to do this for a living. And, um, like, for instance, they, this tax cut, which is a giant gift to the wealthy at the cost, at the expense of the middle class. I heard Chuck Schumer shouting that yesterday. That is a pure fiction. The middle class isn't paying for anything unless you want to make some deficit argument that everybody's going to have higher taxes down right. the line when our debt finally comes due. That that I'm willing to listen to. But So there are just pure fictions being thrown around. In fact, I'd say like 75% of the national discourse is fiction at this point. So yeah, what's the point? Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is going after China over its oil supplies being still sent to North Korea and Russia for using North Korean laborers. Tillerson called on the world powers with the closest economic ties to the North to increase pressure over the pariah nation's nuclear and missile programs and go beyond full implementation of U.N. sanctions. Tillerson going after both Russia and China, calling them out for not really doing what they said they would do as far as the restrictions. And a former conductor of the University of California Davis Symphony Orchestra has agreed to give up his professor emeritus title amid allegations he sexually assaulted a former student who now works at that university. Now, once again, I, I have a problem with, and the news, a lot of newspaper reports say that too, I don't understand why rape is not in the headline. The guy's claiming he was raped. Why do we say sexual assault? 
when a lot of these stories, the sexual assault is somebody tried to kiss you or grabbed your butt right. during a picture. I don't understand why we don't put rape in the headline if that's what somebody is claiming. He got fired for raping a student. The university must believe it. So it's not a that that is a sexual assault, but mm-hmm. that's to downplay it. G. Kern Holloman retired in 2013. He relinquished, though, all of his emeritus titles earlier this week after the former student told the university he was getting ready to publish the allegations on his blog. Danny Gray, who is now himself a university administrator, alleged ho- alleges Holloman sexually assaulted him in a hot tub in Holloman's home in 1987 when Gray was a freshman. Gray said it all started out as a friendship. He was flattered somebody he respected so much wanted to spend time with him. That's the way I was with my professor and and the situation. He says that Holloman was married with kids. He never thought their relationship was sexual in nature, and then that changed. Apparently, Gray says the first assault happened after Holloman brought him home for lunch, took off his clothes, and went into the hot tub, and that's when he assaulted him in the hot tub. Yeah, his depiction of it is they got in the hot tub. Well, he was giving him booze, which of course is a problem right there because you're not you're under twenty one. Yep, your conductor giving you booze. They go out to the hot tub at his house, and the conductor immediately drops his clothes mm-hmm. and it climbs on top of him, and then at some point takes him into the bedroom and rapes him. Is his account of it? Yeah, a while back, a while down the line. Yeah, it was a it's a classic tale of a predator uh, reeling somebody in. Pushing as far as they can, that person running away, then reeling them back in, right. offering this, threatening that, cajoling, guilt trips, blah, blah, blah. But so, okay, that that's its thing. We've heard, we're hearing a lot about that all right. across America, right? That going on. It's horrible. I feel bad for Gray. It's a sucky situation. Right. Um, all that. But here you got somebody who's a big deal at a UC campus. Yeah. And complaints were made to the university, and the university didn't do anything about it. Nope. For decades. The same university that lectures people about, don't call somebody a he or a she, without asking first what pronoun they would like. That is a microaggression. Puts up with rape. Right. Now, you you might make the argument, well, it's a different time. Now we've gone way way the other direction, and we're extra sensitive. But it was up until recently. The reason this great kid came forward is they were about to reinstate this guy or let him teach a class right, or something. And right. they said, you've got to be kidding. You're still going to allow this guy. Yeah. And he thought because of the, the hashtag MeToo movement, because yeah. in recent times, he tried to stop him when he became dean, tried to stop him when he you know, retired and got this pension or whatever. Right. He's tried to stop him at various points along the line, including very recently. And the University of California was willing to keep a rapist around. Even though they're lecturing us about crap like using Z instead of he or she and stuff right. like that. Right. Jack, let me explain it to you. I'd like to serve as the spokesman for the University of California system. If we can find a way to signal our virtue that's effortless for us, but involves you doing something or you being punished even severely for not falling into our line of how to signal your virtue, we will do that. However, if it costs us anything, or if it will be controversial, or if we have to go up against the powerful, well, we're not so interested in that. But you all do what we tell you to do. And that's there something. You go. That's, that's their policy. You're lecturing me on this minutia that I think is ridiculous because you're so enlightened and you're protecting rapists all these years? Sure. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Which sounds a little like Hollywood, for instance.
um, lecturing us about various minutia of uh, enlightenment. Sure. While protecting rapists all this year. Or a lot of people in government who have been doing the same sort of thing. Various marches for this and that while you're protecting your people that have been doing this sort of stuff and, and paying off settlements with taxpayer money. Boy, can you imagine the number of people now who are hearing about Harvey Weinstein? You were talking about how he would torpedo people's careers if they wouldn't sleep with him. Oh, and yeah. years later, you mean I lost that role because of that? Right. God. Well, this kid in this orchestra had to think at yeah. some point, if I don't go along with right. this, am I done? Is my I've dedicated my whole life to playing the whatever instrument he played, right. um, and I'm done here at the university? You, you'd be worried about that. Sure. You'd have to be. And well, what if yeah. you had any scholarship money riding on it? Oh, That's yeah. the other thing, too. Yeah. Boy, right. anybody who's had any success in their career at all understands that there are times when you really have to weigh your options very carefully. Yeah. Because you got to decide, okay, I'm right, but am I going to be right but unhappy? Because I'm going to burn a bridge or I'm going to anger a powerful right. person or whatever. Do I just take it? And keep moving or, you know, everybody deals with that through their adult life. And you got a kid, he's barely out of his teens in the rest of it. In a competitive field like that, he's young, he's impressionable, and and the powerful are just manipulating him for what's in his pants. And it's a really tough thing. It's tough to understand why victims keep going back. But the more you read about this gent or, or, or Selma Hayek, it's a really great case study in how victims get victimized. Um, you start to understand it a little more. You know, some people are a little more cut out to be victims than others, honestly. It's just the way we're made. Um, yeah, my story I told right before the news, just to, do, to give an example of I see how you could get, I could see how you'd end up at the guy's house, because right. I did the same sort of thing. I just thought, oh, wow, I'm one of the I'm one of the in crowd. Think I'm cool. It never crossed my mind, the other part of it, until it, you know. Presented he, itself. Until he made an attempt, yeah. and then I thought, oh, crap. That was just very disappointing right, to me. Right. Just, you know, I'm not the, a cool guy. I might not be a cool guy at all, which turns out is, is correct. Damn it! But um, <laughs> I'm not part of any... Uh, the only inner crowd I'm part of is he thought he could have sex with me. Right, right. And which I realize a lot of women deal with all the time. Sure. Positive Sean, hit us with that metaphor you hit us with off the air. I thought that was pretty good. Oh, yeah. The, uh, being a being a beautiful woman is like living in a, a very nice house where everybody comes up and checks if the door is locked. Right. Just, oh, no. Okay, it's locked. Okay, I'm walking away. That's, that's all right. Some will try to force the door. Many will just see if it's open. Right. It gets, it's got to be tiresome after a while. Eh, it's probably a little disappointing when people stop checking the door, too, isn't it? Well, sure. Sure. <laughs> you really? start throwing your door open like a harlot. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, well, there's a big screen TV. <laughs> It makes you a slut. Oh, oh my God. All right, Settle down. Come on. The money's in the books. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. text on the uh, remember the topic earlier marshall had probably junk science but uh women are happiest after the age of 85 when their spouses died um and we talked about that for a while we got this text you know why husbands die before their wives because they want to (laughs) (laughs) touche so we're talking about the university a professor conductor of the orchestra for for decades who was University uh, of California at Davis. And the university system, it would s- certainly seem, protected him. 
knowing of the accusation of raping a student. Um, we got a text about that. Do we read this text? I yes. mean, this is just an anonymous person. How about you read it? Because I'm in the weird situation of this is the first time we've done one of these stories. I know this guy, ah. the accused, and I actually am friendly with him, and he's very he's always been incredibly nice to me. So, I will uh, I will read this because I find it to be um, compelling. Uh, this Kern Holloman person did that to a lot of students between 1986 and 91. I was at UC Davis at the time, and that happened to two of my boyfriends. Yes, he was married, but he went after all the young skinny boys who were in the music program. We all knew it. The university took no action that we knew of. So just remember that the next time you're being lectured by, for instance, the UC system about... Uh, What's appropriate and what's not in the world of everybody being equal and fair and uh, enlightened microaggressions and, and the various people that aren't allowed to speak at our campus. Oh, my God, we haven't even gone there. Oh. So you can't have people come speak that have a different opinion than most of your students. You can't have rapists right. in your classrooms on your campus getting paid by taxpayers. Right. You can have that, but you can't have somebody speak that you disagree with. Because I've heard they're um, evil. That's hate speech. What am I supposed to do with that information? It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's freaking believable. Uh, so very quickly, how much time do we have, Michael, roughly? I got about a minute 30 here. Okay, that's perfect. So just one more one more note on the bikini barista thing in Everett, Washington. And I bring this up because, you know, I, I go through the email every day, and it's it's always interesting slash amusing slash you people do a great job of sending stuff that we can uh, talk about and are great issues. Just email it to armstrongandgetty at yahoo.com. But on the Bikini Barista thing, we had a handful of uh, emails saying roughly this. I've been a Washington State resident, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've driven by them dozens of times. Not once have I ever seen a hint of skin, and it's not like I've ever made any effort to avert my eyes. So your guest was firmly telling the truth, in my opinion, blah, 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 and we received several emails like that. And it's all about perception bias, because we've received a couple, one, I think a couple of days ago, from Daniel here. Um, First off, south of Seattle, these coffee stands are everywhere. There are literally four within one mile radius of my house. They vary. Most are drive-up stands. Uh, the most popular where the stand is constructed almost completely of glass on three sides. We're wearing pasties and G-strings or other variations of lingerie. During slow periods, the ladies will either hang out the window, sunbathe outside the stand, or I've even seen them on the corner in their lingerie as a sign shaker. Your guest on Monday was just not honest. Hmm. So there is a uh, there's a, a logical fallacy, and I've been, you know fallen for it myself, that if I haven't seen it, it's not happening. And... Uh, <laughs> It's happening. Okay. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. We got this text. Why don't victims complain to the police instead of the university? Perhaps they should. You go to the cops and make a complaint like this. It will dominate your life oh, for be, a very, yeah, very yeah, long time. It and it a, will be an ugly, contentious, scary, sickening chapter of your life. And some people... Don't want to pay that price. Maybe it's, maybe sitting in a courtroom, staring them in the face, and sure. talking about what the idea. Yeah, and still no guarantee something happens. Remember sure, Corey Feldman went yep. to the cops. Right. Slightly yep. different because there's celebrities right. involved, but right. uh, that's still no guarantee. Oh, this guy's a celebrity on the campus. Right, right. Absolutely a celebrity. Hey, guys, gonna do your uh, your final thoughts now? Hmm? Give uh, one last little amusing one line quip. Hmm? <laughs> Give us all a little uh, last-minute chuckle before the nine o'clock hour passes us by. Hmm? Yeah, give uh, give everyone one last chance to uh, get what's eating them off the chest. Hmm? Maybe even a valuable life lesson discerned from the news stories of the day. Yeah, 
do? Okay, you guys go ahead and do that now. Here's your host, Joe Getty. <laughs> Boy, if I had a dime for every time that rapey conductor wanted me to come play the trombone. I mean, uh, I told him no, though. Allegedly. I, right, sure. Allegedly rapey. Michelangelo, your final thought? Hey, uh, parents, assemble your toys and bikes now. Allow time to find the missing screws or decipher the horrible instructions. <laughs> Not on Christmas Eve. Good idea. Good idea. To be putting slot A upon slot L. What? Positive Sean, your final thought. Yes, a preemptive apologies for my my dreary-eyed performance on Monday. I'm going to a Jay-Z concert on Sunday night. Really excited to it. It's a bucket list guy for me. I can't wait to see him live. I'm going to love it. I want to hear about that. Jay-Z. Oh, Marshall Phillips, your final thought. All right, I'm excited. I am heading out to my... Hambone, hambone, what do you say? For Marshall's homemade split pea soup, we got the big <laughs> cook-off challenge at the Radio Ranch Monday. There'll be soup for all. Oh, uh, yes. Soup. Yes. Jack, your final thought. So a friend of me texts me last night and says, UPS just showed up at our door, knocked on the door, and then loudly said, we've got a trampoline here. Oh. Hey, UPS drivers, if anybody's ordering a trampoline or anything along those lines a week before Christmas, Kind of keep it on the down low when you show up at the house. It's for Christmas. Uh, my final thought is, and this is a new story we got to a little bit. You know when Trump said we're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem and all the Muslims got all mad? Well, nobody noticed all the Christians in the area saying, hey, wait a minute. You ever heard of Jesus? We kind of want to be able to hang out there, too. But nobody reported that in the news. It wasn't uh-huh. interesting enough, uh-huh. I guess. They didn't didn't yeah. blow anybody up or anything? Yeah, No, no, that's not their style. We got another week before we call it good for the year. We'll see you on Monday. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye.